This is KOOP HD1 HD3 Hornsby. The following was homecrafted and recorded on September 28th and 29th. Chronicle show. My name is Kim Jones and I am the editor of the Austin Chronicle, Austin's independent source of news and culture reporting since 1981. Kicking off the program today, I have asked Chronicle staff writer Austin Sanders to join us to discuss COVID vaccination rates among first responders. Austin, thanks for being here. Sure, I'm glad to be on. Thanks. So Austin, when we're looking at vaccination rates locally among first responders, police, firefighters, EMS, There is no actual central database of those numbers, right? Yeah, that's right. So the city of Austin has this public safety wellness center, which is kind of like a healthcare clinic for city employees and especially fire, EMS, and police employees. So people who get healthcare there or who have gotten COVID vaccinations there, that's kind of a database. That's like pretty hard numbers. But for the most part, it's any attempt to understand how much of these workforces are vaccinated comes from voluntary survey responses. So police, fire, EMS, basically asking their employees, did you get the vaccination? But they can't require their employees to answer those questions. And then of course, even if you could require it, you can't require them to answer truthfully. So really, the data that we're working with is not super reliable because it's voluntary and the responses can't be compelled from people responding to the survey. Okay. So with that caveat in mind, what were your findings? How did the first responders vaccination rates compare? Right. So I guess, you know, unsurprisingly, EMS has the highest vaccination rate They estimate about 91% of their workforce is fully vaccinated. And that number, I should note, they did a survey, but they've done, I guess, two surveys, right? Where one, they did a survey and got a number and they found a certain number of people were unvaccinated. And then later they went and surveyed those unvaccinated people and got an even updated number. So theirs is probably the most reliable number that we have. Fire, they estimate about 78% of their employees are vaccinated, but only 50% of employees responded to the survey. Again, that just kind of you know really highlights how this data is not super reliable. And then APD has the lowest rate. Their estimate is about 50% of their employees are vaccinated. But that number is perhaps the least reliable of all because they're mostly basing that number off of a survey that was delivered in April of 2020. So the question that was asked of employees was, if a vaccine is available, would you get one? Because obviously we didn't have a vaccine in April of 2020. So this was not even asking people, are you vaccinated or not? It was when one's available, would you get one? And APD tells us that they don't see much value in trying to do a new survey, again, because it would be voluntary, people don't have to respond. So they don't feel like it would really give much of a better sense of their vaccination numbers 
than the survey they conducted in April of 2020. So all that being said, what has been your impression in your reporting of Austin police's relationship to the vaccination, how they are prioritizing or not prioritizing wearing masks? Just what is the general culture there? Or can you even speculate? Yeah, I think so. I think what we see at the Austin Police Department is what we see in police departments across the country, which is a general reluctance to get the vaccine. And masking is kind of a separate issue that we should get into after the vaccine talk. But I talked with Rick Randall, who is a chaplain at APD, and he also is kind of the director of their health and wellness program. So he's been kind of the lead guy on the vaccination campaign. He himself is fully vaccinated. He, you know, stresses that it's the most important way to protect against COVID-19. But, you know, he pointed to the relative youth of police officers as one reason why they have a lower vaccination rate compared to the overall Travis County population and compared to fire and EMS public safety counterparts. So they just don't see COVID-19 as much of a risk. Also, EMS and fire are kind of closer to the medical healthcare side of public safety response. So they interact with doctors, nurses, and hospitals more than police officers would. So he speculated that perhaps just that is a reason why they have higher vaccination rates. He didn't get into this, but, you know, from what I've uncovered across the country, it's also just kind of a cultural issue, right? Like we don't know what percentage of police officers are Republicans or conservatives and Democrats or liberals and progressives, but we do have data that I include in the story, which kind of indicates police officers, the police labor unions and associations that represent them have a more conservative Republican bent. They contribute more money to conservative political causes. And that's certainly the case here in Austin. And we know that conservatives and Republicans have lower vaccination rates than Democratic counties. The New York Times recently found that the COVID death rate in counties that voted for Donald Trump is about five times higher than counties that voted for President Biden, right? So these are just some data points that could kind of indicate something else that's going on, that it's a broader cultural issue beyond the you know relative youth or the kind of less interaction with the healthcare side of public safety that Chaplain Randall at APD pointed to. So I think those are all kind of factors swirling about that kind of contribute to the comparatively lower vaccination rate at the police department. And as you pointed out, this is happening nationally. This is not just in Austin. And something I didn't realize until this came out following the recent death of two police officers to COVID-19 is that a COVID death is reported as a death in the line of duty in police. And correct me if I'm wrong, nationally, that is the leading line of duty cause of death for police officers? Exactly. You know, by a pretty wide margin, right? In 2020 and in 2021, line of duty deaths from COVID-19 outnumber all other causes combined. And that includes, you know, police shootings, right? Which, you know, is something that officers feel threatened by. COVID-19 is more of a threat 
two officers than uh, getting in a shootout with someone on the street. Still, that has not produced a big increase in vaccination numbers. Although Chaplain Randall says there have been two officers in Austin who have died from COVID-19, he says following those deaths, he did get a kind of surge in requests for the vaccine. So it does seem to be a kind of motivating factor for some law enforcement personnel, but still doesn't seem to be as big of a motivation as you might suspect given that, yes, this is now the leading cause of on-duty deaths for police officers across the country. So what has Austin Police Association, the, the labor union, what's the messaging coming from them on this? Well, I should say that Ken Cassidy, the president of the union, he is fully vaccinated. He's gotten his booster shot. He posted a picture on social media of him doing it. He's stressed to members that it's important. He's held town halls to kind of encourage members to do it. So I think, you know, he is trying. I think you could always say, could more be done to encourage members to get the vaccine? But at least he is publicly showing that he has done it and encouraging skeptical members to get it. What could the department be doing? There's still a question about this order from President Biden that will require employers with more than 100 employees to require vaccinations. There's still a question of whether that applies to local and state governments. I've asked the city's law department and they say they're looking into it. So we don't really know for sure. But I think if we look at the masking policy at APD, police officers are not required to wear masks when interacting with the public. If a member of the public asks that an officer wear a mask, then they're required to put one on, but they're not required to do it by default. Whereas EMS employees, they have to wear a mask anytime they're interacting with a patient. I think that kind of reflects a cultural response, right? If the police department was telling employees, you have to wear a mask anytime you're interacting with someone, that would reflect an attitude toward COVID-19 that this is a serious virus and we need to protect the public and we need to protect ourselves the way that EMS doing it communicates that message. And I think there's something to be said about what kind of effect that would have on vaccination numbers, right? If the message from the department was you need to wear a mask to protect yourself and to protect the public, how that would impact vaccination numbers, which is really just the more effective way of protecting yourself and protecting others from COVID-19. So I think it's worth noting that and kind of asking how that would impact the vaccination numbers. Okay, well, if you are looking for more information on COVID-19, including why masks are effective and where to find free vaccinations, that information is available on the city's website at austintexas.gov forward slash COVID-19. And you can also read what Austin had to say about this in this week's issue of the Austin Chronicle, which is on stands and online now. Austin, thanks for joining me. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about bands to watch at ACL Fest. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Austin Chronicle Show on Co-op Community Radio. We've been listening to Moses Sumney, one of the artists playing Austin City Limits Festival this weekend and next. 
Most of us won't be attending the festival, but that doesn't mean we can't experience it by proxy. So I've asked our music staff to share some of the bands we should be paying attention to. So here today, we've got our music editor, Kevin Curtin. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Thank you for having me, Kimberly. Of course. And we also have our staff writer and faster than sound columnist, Rachel Rasco. Hey, Rachel. Hey, happy to be here. Well, Rachel, I want to start with you because Moses Sumney was your pick and that song is just wow. Yeah, that's from their 2020 album Grey and it's definitely kind of a masterpiece. I really dove into that song during the pandemic because it was on a special episode of the HBO show Euphoria and the song was kind of like a plot point in the episode. So yeah, I'm really excited to experience parts of that album live at ACL because it's so avant-garde that I'm really interested in what it's like live. Absolutely. So it's a very like experiential, like you're in a mood listening to that. And Kevin, we're going to pivot to you because this is also a mood. Well, this is Mark Rebelette. Most people know him from blowing up on the internet during the pandemic, during the we're at home in lockdown phase of the pandemic. And he was that guy, you may remember, wearing his bathrobe, playing a keyboard and a sampler and looping his vocals and kind of inhabiting all of our frustrations in in a very funny way. The first song I saw by him was about a flamingo. And it was just like it started off as like this flamingo is coming, nothing to be concerned about. And then it quickly progressed into like... The flamingo is ripping out your children's eyes and he's kind of has this great pop quality and also the songs can be a little bit unhinged and he's in his underwear and bathrobe and it's a little bit like the Reggie Watts thing. It's pitch shifting vocals, loops, stuff done on the spot and it is quite endearing and he's turned it into a fantastically popular stage show where now people are coming to the shows in robes and kimonos and underwear and just having a really good time and so i think a lot of people don't attach his name to who he is so it's going to be like at the festival like oh my god it's that guy so this song in particular is a suggestion of what an alarm clock what a new sound your alarm clock could make is Well, we've carved out a clip that removes, I think, most of the expletives. So this is just a tiny taste. Here we go. I have to say the visuals, I mean, this is clearly somebody that you want to see in performance. And the guy can thrust to the beat in a way that is really, it's it's an aerobic performance. He's also a uh, Dallas native and one of our uh, freelancers went to high school with him. Oh, cool. Wow. Okay. Well, Rachel, we're going to come back to you now. I believe. How about Remy Wolf was one of your picks, who I had never heard before, and I fell down a rabbit hole with this, and it was a happy rabbit hole for sure. Yay, yeah, I think I felt the same way about Remy Wolf. Started listening to her in the past year, and she just makes really interesting, colorful music, really interesting production styles, and her vocal control is just insane. She'll go from like singing to rapping to doing a ballad to just using like a really weird crazy voice so yeah it's very just like fun to experience and she has amazing style and wears weird hats and rainbow colors so yeah this song selection is more of a soulful ballad because I was trying to find one that did not have a lot of expletives in it which a lot of her songs do so yeah 
Okay, let's listen to a clip from Liz. So that's got a real throwback quality to it. Is that consistent in her work? Yeah, I think she kind of does like the kind of soul that was like Y2K era when she does that style and would definitely say she has a throwback vibe. And yeah, a little more about her. She's from California and I didn't realize this until I was reading about her for this. She was an American Idol contestant in 2014 when she was in high school, but she's changed a lot since then. And yeah, I've really enjoyed watching her videos. All right, Kevin, we're coming back to you now with a name I don't know how to pronounce. So I guess you can guess which which artist I'm talking about. Yeah, it's TK Maidza. This is an artist who I found out about through her performance on KEXP's like quarantine edition. It was like a shot in Australia where she's from. And she gave this performance that was so high energy and involved hip hop and singing and a live band and a great artistic style. And I was excited to see her pop up on the ACL Fest lineup. She's Zimbabwe-born, Australia-raised, breaking out in recent years with a trilogy of EPs that is so very appropriately titled Last Year Was Weird, Volumes 1 through 3, which may be the best album title or EP title of the pandemic era. She sings, she raps, she's a really entertaining performer, so I'm excited to see her in front of a large crowd on stage. She's actually on the kind of classic record label 4AD, which is an interesting fit and I think will probably kind of raise eyebrows or maybe bring attention to her from people who otherwise wouldn't listen to this kind of music, but she's pretty experimental. And the song I want to play is one of my favorite singles by her. It's got a great video too, and it's called Cashmere. So this is TK Mazda. Okay, that was Cashmere by TK Mazda. All right, we're down to the last round of picks. I asked everybody to submit three. So Rachel, you're up. Yeah, this is Dayglow. An Austin-based artist of the Chronicle has been lucky enough to kind of chat with throughout his rise. And yeah, Dayglow pretty much blew up off of a self-recorded album that was recorded while they were a student at UT. And it just did super well on Spotify. I would say that they are certifiably one of the biggest breakout artists from Austin of the past few years and not always recognized at being linked to our city. But yeah, I got to see Dayglow perform at ACL 2019 on a pretty small stage, but he pretty much packed it out and everyone was singing along. So it'll be exciting to see him kind of move to this later time slot on both weekends. Yeah, I think that's something cool about ACL. One year off, we're kind of getting to see people rise even faster. Okay, let's listen to a song from Dayglow. This is Close to You. Well, I think I'm the only child of the 80s here. And that really speaks to me. That takes me back. And that is also a very stylish performer. Yeah, that's from their newest album called Harmony House. It's Dayglow's sophomore album. And yeah, I was really excited to see them kind of keep progressing musically and incorporate a lot of 80s dance pop and kind of 70s acoustic songwriter vibes on some other songs. So, and last time I talked to Dayglow, I think when they 
took off online. I was worried they might leave Austin, but last time I talked to him, he had bought a home here. So we have Dayglow for a while. And, and we have Dayglow in the Austin Chronicle this week. He did an interview with one of our writers. It's real interesting. So I'd recommend checking that out. Kevin, we're at the last one, the last pick. Take us out. I wanted to play some Charlie Crockett. I think Charlie Crockett, who is based in Austin and has been based here for a great many years, is one of the rising artists of our town and our scene right now. He has had this prolific discography where he typically puts out more than one album a year. And that's been going on for like probably most of a decade. So I don't want to call it a fast rise, but right now we're starting to see him get booked at really big festivals and all over, not just in Texas. He's a honky-tonk musician whose material includes country, it includes soul, it includes Gulf Coast and Cajun influences. And he's got a very, very interesting singing voice that's distinct. And it's kind of imperfect and wonderful. And he certainly has a timeless style and in a lot of ways a throwback style. But he's throwing back to a lot of different kind of numbers on the old jukebox. So I think he's really on one with his latest one, Music City USA. He also recently taped an Austin City Limits episode, which is very cool. And this might be the biggest stage that Austinites have seen him on yet. So I'm excited for the moment. Like I said, it's a long commencing moment, but I really do think this is Charlie Crockett's breakout time. So the most recent album is Music City USA. And the song that I want to play is I Need Your Love. And this is kind of a soul song. And it's very slow for how high energy he can be on stage. But to me, I find it very, very moving. And I hope you like it too. Kevin, what a great note to take us out on. Fortunately, we've run out of time. But Kevin and Rachel and the whole music staff put together a really terrific preview of the Austin City Limits Festival. And it's going to be a great guide for people who are going and people who aren't going just might hear about some new bands to pay attention to. Yeah, it's really uh, an excuse for us to dive into popular music in a really deep way. Absolutely. Well, y'all, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it, Kimberly. Love the show. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Well, thank you to all of my guests, both Kevin and Rachel, and also to Austin Sanders. Thanks also go to co-op engineers Bob Daly and Andrew Solon. And thanks as ever to Kevin Curtin and to Jonas Wilson for writing our theme music. We'll see you next week. <laughs>